but why would a good God allow suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, you get that a lot. And you get that, you get that response when you talk about the sovereignty of God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-planning, um, all-restoring. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that usually bumps an instant question back from either a non-believer or a, a sick believer or a new believer. I think mm-hmm. you used that term before. Um, an unhealthy yeah. believer. It bumps back the question, well, I need to know, though, if he's, if he's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-planning, all, then why does he allow suffering? When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the the Take and Read podcast. I am so excited because my not only was he my first guest, but he is my first returning guest yes. on the podcast. Granger Smith, friend, fellow follower of Christ, father, husband, musician, what else? What else? What, what else? We <laughs> podcaster. Podcaster. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And preacher. I don't know if uh, people know about this, but uh, when you travel, you have opportunity. Uh, when you're in a different town, sometimes you get to share your story. Sometimes you get to share the word. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to preach in Bakersfield, California coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, three, cool. three, Two or three weeks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Bakers. And uh, are you at a point now where you know what it looks like for you to prep and you kind of, you have a sense of what you're going to say and, or when you go to a different place, are they like sometimes, Hey, preach for an hour or preach for as long as you want, or you only get 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So keep it tight. Like I've seen both of those scenarios and, um, I usually I'll have two or three weeks to prep. And I always think to myself, well, most people have six days right so so unless i had six days or less i'm not going to worry about it i'm just going to think well this is a this is more than enough time for the average prep but usually i'll talk to the pastor about you know what series are you in what what theme do you have going on right now and then i'll try to tie my story into that series right on right on well uh what i would love to do since you're my first returning guest and we've already talked a little bit in the first episode about your time in the Word. What does a what does you know that time look like? What time of day? We learned some interesting things like your coffee drinking <laughs> and brushing teeth, like the order of events there. Like yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. I still think about that. Uh, and so I don't want to ask you that question this time. But what I would like to do, uh, and if if you're listening to this podcast and you have a suggestion of a good follow up question for you know, returning guests, I would love to get your, your feedback on that. So if you're listening on iTunes, just leave it in the chat, uh, or the, the, the review or comments, or if uh, you're on YouTube, just leave it in the chat there or the, the comment section. But the, the question that I want to ask you, and, and I've benefited throughout the years, I'll have, I've had a couple of times where there are guys in, in the church that I'm a part of that are just really bold and they ask good questions if I haven't seen them for a while. And, and I anticipate then when I'm going to see them or, or I think I might run into them that I then ask questions or I, they, I get asked questions by them that force me to think 
And so I ask myself the question before I'm even going to see them, okay, what will I say? So one of those questions that, that I'll get asked, what is the Lord teaching you? What's he doing right now, whether it's through the word or circumstances or different people, but what's he showing you about himself and what do you think he wants you to learn right now? Yeah, it's, that, that's a great question, and I ask I ask myself that a lot. And I think you know when we read through the Bible, which I think is um, one of the most essential things that a believer can do is read on their own. And I say one of them, and the other one probably be in prayer. It is essential for a believer to to walk through the Bible in their own time. Not, not just with their church or with their small group or even with their spouse. I think it's, it's important uh, to walk through your own time with God. And as we walk through the scripture, we learn the nature of God, the essence of, of who God is, mm-hmm. um, which, which raises praise within us that, first of all, he's the, created the universe you name it, he created it. Anything right. beautiful, anything awesome, incredible, he created it. So it creates within us a praise towards that. But it also teaches us how to position our minds into our own walk, our own life in all aspects. And so lately I've been looking, and I say lately, it's been more, probably more than a year's journey because I get, I get so many people that come to me with the, with talking about suffering, but why would a good God allow suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, you get that a lot, and you get that you get that response when you talk about the sovereignty of God, all knowing, all powerful, all planning, um, all restoring. Mm-hmm. So that 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 usually bumps an instant question back from either a non-believer or a a sick believer or a new believer. I think you used that term before. Um, an unhealthy yeah. believer. It bumps back the question, well, I need to know though, if he's, if he's all knowing, all powerful, all planning, all, then why does he allow suffering? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, it, a lot of times on the back of my mind as I'm reading through the scripture, that's a little, I'm looking for that trigger through the essence of God. And it's so important not just in the New Testament, but it's important to include the Old Testament in in our reading. For sure, and yeah. S- some people will only read the New Testament. You know, some people go, "Yeah, well, Old Testament." I mean, that's the, yeah, it was restored, sense. right? I think mean, that you know the the law is is now restored through Christ, so we don't need the old mm. law. Yeah, and it's that's just not the case because the Old Testament will show us a big part of the essence, the nature of God, especially through suffering. And he'll, he will walk you through and and really the, the old Testament in its whole is walking you long distances through suffering Mm -hmm. so that, so that when, when things are restored, it matters that much more. Yeah. Because you've seen, unbelievable um, journeys with it, with these these old men and women and then a, a restoration happens after a long journey of suffering and so it's it's just 
What I'm trying to say is it's important to get the, the whole scope of the Bible when trying to answer any tough question about suffering or, or humility or love. All of those are, are, are answered through the whole of the Scripture. That's why we have the whole of the Scripture. Amen. And their journeys through suffering are like generations long. Like you and I will go, okay, we go through a rough patch and we're like, well, that was a rough two weeks. Right. Or, man, this last month has been really tough, but they're journeying for generations. We were just talking about right before we, we jumped on here um, about the exile and yes. the Israelites and when they're exiled to Babylon and how God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to let them know that it was going to be a longer duration than maybe they were hoping for. And yeah. at that time in exile and to a certain degree oppression was not going to be just a couple of years. It was going to most likely result in the folks that were adults when they arrived were not going to leave exile alive. They were going to so die before they were you know, um, freed from exile. It's so important to see that so, so many times God doesn't restore in the lifetime of the person because yeah. he doesn't see... He, d he doesn't see us in our lifetime only. He sees us as eternal beings. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for instance, w what I'm trying to say is in Lamentations, it's, I was reading through that this morning, and you go through Lamentations 1 and 2, and it's just about suffering. Mm -hmm. It's about pain. And then you start 3, and it starts the same way. I am the man who has seen affliction. Under the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand. He's talking about God. Again and again, the whole day long, he has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. Once again, talking about God. Mm -hmm. He has besieged me, enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shouts, he shuts out my prayer. These are things you don't see on coffee mugs. Mm -hmm. They're not cotton candy butterfly no. Christianity. And so you, you position yourself in trying to understand the essence of God, and you go, wait a minute. Yeah. I, that's not what the wooden sign says at the cafe down the street. That's not the God of all love that everyone talks about. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces on and on and on. It, and, and, and I think part of this it makes, you, makes you question that, like, mm -hmm. who is this God? Yeah. But you got to keep reading yeah. because it builds up so much. It builds it overly builds this up. I know this isn't what you're this what is awesome. been reading I today. I feel like this might be sermon prep for <laughs> Bakersfield. So, so then you keep on going. So now we're at verse 16. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I stopped there this morning. I was like, I've forgotten what happiness is. I've heard so many people echo that kind of feeling so then you go well i gotta keep going where's where's this poor guy going with this mm -hmm. so i say my endurance has perished so has my hope from the lord wow <laughs> jeremiah wow this is crazy that this is not what i thought christianity was remember my afflictions and my wanderings 
the wormwood and the gall, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So right there, I'm like, and I just got goosebumps right there. This is why we've gone through two chapters, two and a half chapters of this pain. And he says, but I, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And you go, what? What is he going to call? What? And it says, colon, like what? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Mm. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Wow. Wow. And so then it totally changes. And you could see that now there's a, there's a change in Jeremiah's mind where he, he builds this, all this pain. And then he, and then he taught, he tells us the position of his mind, but this I call to mind. And I think what you see there that is helpful for us. And that it sounds like some of the stuff the Lord's teaching you is it's okay to feel grief Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel as though this season of suffering or pain that you're in, it feels unending. Yes. It feels overwhelming. It feels and emotionally just you're drained and you wonder, where is God in this? Like he can handle those feelings. But what you see there, he's feeling all of this lament, but then he calls to mind, right? He feels things, but then he has to then remember and think and preach to himself what he knows to be true about God. So although it may feel one way that God is absent, that how could he possibly let this happen? But then to recall what he has revealed and what you know. So there's the feeling and the knowing that those can't be divorced of each other. It's okay to feel those feelings, but it's also important to recall what you know about God and what he's revealed about himself and what you know to be true about him, even though you feel like he's far away. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, and that's important why we read the Bible and not read devotionals only. Devotionals are great, but not only. We read the Bible because you get the full scope because if you just came into Lamentations Mm 3.22, you would go, great, but I don't... That's not me. I don't feel like the, this is happening to me. But you didn't read three chapters before that. <laughs> right. You've got to read it in context. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. So okay, that sorry. is a good segue. Sorry. No, <laughs> that, I think that was, that was good. Uh, and I would love if, um, if people, as they listen to this, they can relate to some of this stuff that you mentioned because, I mean, I also encounter a lot of people that are wrestling with that very thing. What do I do with this idea that God is good and for me, and yet I feel and experience incredible pain and suffering? Maybe it's because of illness, uh, maybe because of a loved one and what they're going through, especially with all of the stuff that's happening in our world today, all of the ways in which humanity is, is going every which way except for God's way. And 
it's going to result in a lot of pain. So if you can relate to that or anything that Granger's just brought up, uh, please uh, leave that in the comments or, uh, yeah, let us know. You can email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. You can always email me there and share things, uh, prayer requests. If you have uh, questions about things that come up, uh, we will certainly take time in this podcast uh, every once in a while just to wrestle. If there seems to be building questions that are all pretty similar, we'll wrestle with those on this uh, as we go along. So please uh, just let me know. And so now we're going to jump in. We're going to take and read the scriptures. We are still in the Gospel of Mark, so you you are with us. uh, And although this is episode five, we haven't even gotten out of chapter one of of Mark. So we're going to keep going. Uh, Some things to recall as we look at the Gospel of Mark. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we're just taking that verse by verse, and we're reading it, and we're wrestling with a couple of things. We're going to wrestle with... What does it say? So are there words, ideas, phrases that we look at and we go, okay, we need to really understand what is that, what's, what's that actually being said here? Then we're going to wrestle with the overall meaning because what we know about this gospel is that it's, it's the earliest account of the ministry and life of Jesus that we have uh, that was recorded. And we know that Mark was a companion of both Peter and Paul, but this is most likely the collection of Peter's teaching uh, and And in that, he is giving us a very particular uh, portrayal of who Christ is. He starts out in the very first verse. He gives us his opinion that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's telling us he believes Jesus to be the Christ or the Messiah, the chosen one that was prophesied for years and that God foreshadowed would come. And now he's going to, the rest of the gospel is him explaining that and supporting that this is why Jesus is the one that was promised. So we find ourselves today uh, in chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. So I'm reading out of the ESV. Are you also in Yes, ESV? I am okay. also. And, and I mentioned this on the last episode I was on with you, that I'm, I'm reading off an iPad just to show um, a little bit of a contrast to reading out of a, a book like you. Um, I, I enjoy the same, but I just for the for the sake of the podcast, I wanted to show that that you can read digitally. Yeah, it is it is absolutely accessible. You can get the Bible for free. There are multiple apps out there that you can download this, uh, so you don't have to run out and purchase a Bible. It is the most available book. It's the most read book in the history of humanity. Number one bestseller of all time, and it's more accessible than it's ever been in its history and in our history, and yet it oftentimes is the, the least read and, and the least understood. And so that's one of the things we're trying to do. So yeah. The most owned, but the least read. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All righty. So we are in gospel, or the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the he there is Jesus, the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat 
with the hired servants and followed him. All right, so right away, uh, let's kind of set the scene up. We've got we've got a couple of guys here. Mm-hmm. It's Simon and Andrew, or Simon Peter, which we understand that to be, uh, also known as just Peter. Uh, so we got Simon and Andrew, two brothers. They're fishermen, so that's their trade. That's their their livelihood, and they're out there fishing, casting a net into the sea. And then we also have another set of, of family. So we've got Zebedee and his two sons, James and John, and some hired servants that are there also working in their boat. So we're, we're on the seaside here, the Sea of Galilee. What else do you see here, Granger, that, man, we just need to understand what's being said, what the scene is? Well, setting the, setting the scene, what... The word that always jumps out to me in this block of passage is the word immediately. Hmm. And it, it happens twice. It, it happens in reference to how quickly th- they followed him. And it also mentions uh, how quickly Jesus called them. Well, that's interesting. These, yeah. It happens twice. And um, there was no hesitation for, for them to follow, and there was no hesitation for Jesus to call them. And uh, that, that always stands out to me, that yeah. that there is no, could we, well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. And there might be more between the lines here that we don't know. Right. That, uh, according to Mark, this is what we know. There might have been more dialogue, but that's not what, what was important for Mark to write. Right, what again, he could have written all kinds of details, but he yes. gives us very particular. And so I think that's a keen observation that he wants us to know the immediacy of a couple of things. Yeah, so if there was a conversation, it wasn't much of one. If it was, well, tell us more about your, yourself. Um, so so we, we, don't, we know that Andrew knew of the Messiah before Simon did. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was a, Hey, this this is what I'm talking about. This is the guy. This is the guy. Yeah. And yet we're not we're not sure. No. We don't know that, but we do know the immediacy. And how does that contrast possibly with what else is here? And so maybe we'll just kind of blend this into the what does this mean section, but I would imagine that here are some guys. So you have two families represented here. You've got you got Simon Peter and Andrew, two brothers. Then you've got James John and their dad Zebedee. And this is the family business. Mm-hmm. This has been handed down. This is what they've known. In fact, this occupation is probably shaped their universe, right? Their world has been shaped by this livelihood because it's this is how we live. This is how we make money. So the things that we do, uh, sun up to sundown, are defined by this occupation mm. and it has it obviously for generations because they're passing down the trade that they received from their their forefathers and so that and being jewish would be two things that shape their life the customs and uh the traditions of judaism as well as the customs and traditions of being a fisherman in a fisherman community and here comes this guy <laughs> walking along the Sea of Galilee, seeing them on the shore, mending their nets. So they've just finished working. They're at the end of the workday. 
probably, you know, worked through the night or, or probably finished out the day, who knows when, but they're on the side of the, the, on the shore. So they're not fishing and they're finishing up mending nets, so fixing things, getting things taken care of. And this guy walks up. That's not a fisherman, not from their community and is asking them to just leave. He's like, because the implication is follow me. It's not like I'm going to hang out with you in your boat. I'm actually leaving this area and we're going to go. So he's not only saying follow me, but he's saying leave. Um, and I just can't help but think that would be challenging because right now at this point, if you're a Jewish guy that is fishing with your dad or you've taken on the family business, what that means for you is that you're not going to, con- like that's your career for, for the rest of your life. That's what your family's going to depend on you for. And as a man, like I am always aware of the burden rightly so that I have to provide for my family to take care of my own. And so to have some job security in that, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. And they just left their nets. So in the, the fact that they didn't say, or that we don't have any evidence that they said, let me roll these things up and secure them in the boat and then get this boat, you know, tied up or whatever you might do because this is my job security and and I'll probably be back out here tomorrow morning. We don't see evidence of any of that kind of conversation. They literally leave all of the stuff of their trade that they're going to need to get started in that like they've accumulated stuff that's mm-hmm. a, that they need for the trade that's of value and they literally leave. So so what has to be true, what has to happen in somebody's heart or their experience or their encounter with Jesus? What has to be true of this guy for that level of sacrifice without a second thought? So what we could see from this and from other scriptures is that there wasn't, Jesus didn't walk up with a a glowing halo around him that, that was so supernatural that it was irresistible to any man because Jesus does this to others that don't follow him. He offers the call in several other examples when people walk away from him. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that the call goes out, some respond immediately and some don't. And this scenario, which great about this little block is this Although not on the on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, this still happens today. Exactly, the call goes out, and some people and and people listening to this podcast will know of examples, and it might not even be them, but they might have known. Man, I had a, one of my neighbors. He just went to church, and now he's all in, mm-hmm. and I don't really understand it. Well, here's the example. He got the call and he immediately dropped everything and went and others didn't. Mm -hmm. We don't know why it is that way, but we have examples today in this year 
that it still happens this way. Mm-hmm. And the uh, I think another thing I notice about this is he is he is the one that approached them. He interrupted their life. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily seeking or pursuing or looking for the Messiah. They weren't at a, a church service. They were doing their normal everyday thing, just going about their life. And he he pursued them. He called them. But still, like you said, they had to respond. So he initiated this calling in their life. And I think that there's something about that that f- for many of us, we I know from myself, I was not looking for the Lord. I had other plans. I had a different trajectory. I had certain things I wanted to accomplish with my life. I had a vision of how things would work out in the end and what I would what life would be like when I grew up and what kind of job I would have and you know two and a half kids and a white picket fence and all of that kind of stuff. And he he interrupted me. Yeah. And I was not expecting it and it was in my own in my flesh at the time I thought it was rather inconvenient but as soon as it happened and I had realized who he was and what that meant about me none of that other stuff mattered encountering Jesus like you said it happens today and that if you have encountered the Lord that changes everything it may mean also that like they're they leave their livelihood and now they're going to go, and he kind of says, this is what you were doing. You were fishermen. You were fishing for fish. Now you're going to fish for men. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the, for them, it was the same construct. In other places, he will possibly call a builder and say, I'm going, now you're going to help me build the kingdom. Mm. Like there there are things, in, like I think of you, and, and he's like, you know, you, you, Granger, are gifted, and you love to articulate your heart your feelings your life experience and now i'm going to do such a work in your life that you're going to have a platform that i have given you that now you get to articulate those things about me and what you've encountered with me and so it's interesting when he does encounter us it's not as though he throws away everything but you realize wow he's been preparing me for a particular way he wants me to participate in the kingdom, the spreading of this good news, and to tell people about him. Yeah, it's the Karate Kid idea. The wax on, wax <laughs> off. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, show me, son, the floor. Everything I've taught you has led you to a new purpose. <laughs> it's really it's really funny. And we know that the Peter was married. Yeah. Probably Andrew. Probably. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he was. It was so that so, and I say that because it's not like, well, I mean, he was 22 years old and had nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, he had a life, married. He was he had a family. So it's important to know that that these guys had a lot to lose, earthly speaking. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was not a yeah. They weren't like they had nothing else going, and they're like, yeah, sure, this sounds yeah. like a fun adventure. Yeah. No, there were people depending on them. There was investment, years and years of investment made to get them to a place where they could have a fishing business. And they were willing to leave all of that to follow him. 
And so that definitely says something about who this this Christ is, who this Jesus is. And uh, and so I think as I read this, what are what are some ta- what are some takeaways? How do we, how do you and I, as followers of the Lord, those who have had that Sea of Galilee, you know, seaside experience mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we have encountered Him and and we have to a certain extent left our nets, mm-hmm. we've left our boats, and we've said, okay, we're in. What what is the takeaway now? I mean, certainly, if if somebody's listening to this podcast or they encounter this this passage and they go, I think, I think I I am encountering him now. Then what that means for you is immediate response. Don't hesitate. Go all in. Leave your nets in your boat. Whatever that means in your context, it means you're giving everything and ordering your days minute by minute, hour by hour, following him, that he now gets to dictate what your life, where it's going and what it's going to be doing. It may not, it may mean that you don't leave your job and that he's put you specifically in the position that you're in so that you can be a witness for him and people will recognize the change. That happens a lot throughout the gospel where he heals somebody or they encounter him and they return right back to the context they were in and they begin to tell of what this Jesus did. And it's powerful because the people around them can recognize the change that's occurred, that you were this way and now you've met this Jesus and now you're totally different and transformed. Who is this guy? Yeah. But it also may mean a change. But what does that mean for you and I who well, have encountered him and are following? I, I think first of all, and you said it, the nets is, a, is an interesting idea here. Because both of these two groups of men had nets is mentioned in their story. And it's, we all have our nets on earth. We all have nets and and our nets always are so important to us. But this passage is telling us your nets don't matter. They're not as important as you think they are. In fact, you could just drop them where where, where they sit. Drop them right here. And it's okay. And we have so many nets in our life, probably more today than these men had back then. We have. What are some examples of of your nets? Um, a a uh, a tour date. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a traveling musician, so a a tour date, maybe on a on um a, a conflicting day that I need to be. I need to be serving the kingdom better in, an, in another way so that I need to be able to loosen that and drop the net. Well, and I think you've, I mean, when we've gotten together and, and getting to kind of be your friend and, and watch you live out this faith, there have been times where a net or a, a certain show, you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to follow through with this show or are there conditions here that to honor Christ means I don't do this show? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. The, the Nets are, it's their paycheck. You know, this is, the the scenario with, with Simon and Andrew, they're casting into the sea, and it's an interesting thought to think that maybe the net was still in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not just the the... The other brothers are mending, 
but the but the the first two brothers are casting, so they could it could have been full of fish. It had money in it. It had it had the paycheck. It had dinner for the family, and it's it's Jesus is Jesus is insinuating that your nets your nets are not as big a deal as you think they are, and we see other examples in the in the gospels where the nets were a bigger deal to that person, and they couldn't they couldn't let them be, and they couldn't follow Jesus. Yeah, and I'm I'm breaking my own rule here uh, because I'm like You're we're just gonna something. yeah we're supposed to confine <laughs> ourselves just to Mark, but uh, maybe this will encourage others to go. This account happens and is is talked about in in other gospels, and so particularly in Luke, we have a few more details about this initial encounter, and it may shed some light in this idea that sometimes we're unwilling or we're, there's fear about leaving the net because we're not sure what that means because there's still that that felt need that i that means like i have to trust him for my livelihood too the whole sermon could be built around the nets can it it can (laughs) and and the interesting thing in the other account in luke when jesus comes upon simon peter and andrew they had been fishing all night and he tells them why don't you throw your net in on the other side of the boat real quick they're like, no, I mean, we've done this all night. He goes, just just trust me. So they listen to this guy who's not a fisherman tell them to do something that is contrary to all their training and experience. So they throw their net in on the other side of the boat, and what happens? Their nets are f- filled to overflowing, and they have trouble pulling in the catch. And so I think there's something there, too, yeah. that, that in the leaving to follow him, he'll take care of your nets. I will give you more than you could ever imagine. More than you can handle. Yeah. Your nets will, and so I think there's something about that, that there is a, it's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice of control and that you're no longer, following Jesus means you don't trust yourself anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to trust in yourself to provide for yourself you can just, you can rest in that, that he's got you. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, is, there is one more. If you don't mind, we'll go. Yeah, okay. let's do it. There's one more idea. There's, there's many ideas, but the next <laughs> idea, I should say, is this idea, and, and I want to address the people listening to this podcast in the same way as if you were a set of these brothers on, in, in the boat. And Jesus is, as it starts in... in 16 passing alongside the sea of galilee he's moving like you said this earlier he's moving by Mm -hmm. and so it's this idea that jesus is not coming up and sitting on a log and saying hey guys i'm gonna finish up what you're doing and then if you don't mind after you finish up come and sit down next to me i got a little fire going right I've got some, I got some bread and some fish and we're going to talk and I'm going to tell you a few things. I'm going to invite you to something really special. So, but you know, just let, let me know when you guys are, are kind of wrapping up here and I'm, I'll be over here just cooking this bread. Yeah. When, when, when you're good and when, yeah. when it's convenient for you, yeah, come on over. So it's this idea and, and the late Billy Graham said this many times in his, in his sermons, he would say, when Jesus is passing by you, you could only maybe get only that one chance. 
Hmm. He calls you and he keeps moving. And so is it, there is this idea that if you're listening to this podcast and you think, I, I, I feel something with this, then we respond. Mm-hmm. And there, you might not have a podcast opportunity like this. You might not have a, a gospel witnessing moment again because he's passing by. And so Billy Graham used that a lot to, to create this urgency in the in yeah. environment when he was in. Like, come down right now. Come out of your seat. If, if, if you're waiting on the bus, they'll wait for you. But get out of your seat, come forward, and let's, let's talk right now. Let's say this prayer together. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a, good, a good place to stop for now that what we have is an episode uh, in, the, in the scriptures where Mark is, is articulating the calling of the first disciples and the immediate response that they took advantage of a very important um, moment that that could have passed, but it did not. He called them, they responded, and it was a sense of urgency. They left their nets, their livelihood, and yet in doing so, it's not like their lives were full of cotton candy and butterflies like we started out talking about today, but they were signing up for a journey that we're going to continue to observe and see as we read through the scriptures. But it was a, it was a, a difficult road, a narrow path. Yeah. But infinitely worth it. Like there's no other way to have gone. And for those, those of us that are walking with the Lord, we can we can identify with it's it is not an easy path it doesn't mean that your life is going to get better in fact it may mean that you start to experience challenges like you've never faced before yeah. but there is a certain peace that that it resides with you as you go through those those challenges and you realize he's with you and he's navigated those to a greater degree than you ever have and he's faced greater challenges and he's been tempted in ways that you never have and yet he's with you and it's totally worth it 100 percent. yeah yeah so yeah thank you for for being my first second guest you're right on the podcast Uh, Granger, I absolutely love having you uh, on this podcast. I love getting to be in friendship with you and to just yeah link arms and and follow the Lord together. I think it's a pretty sweet thing. Man, I I love the format of this podcast. I think you sound great on it. I listened to our episode. I think your voice sounds great. And I hope it just inspires people to read the Bible. That's what this is. Take and read. And and this this is to to make sure that you're not just cherry picking verses or stories. You're not just saying, Yeah, I know about Noah and I know about David and Goliath, but you're actually digging into the in-between because this story, like what we just read, this is this is like straight out of the Avengers or oh, Ocean's man. Eleven. It's like he's getting his team and then I'm looking down right after where we read into verse 21 and they start, then they start <laughs> it's on. and it just goes 
on. Yes. I mean, and you, if you get into it with that kind of mindset, you won't be able to put this down because you're going to think, where are these guys going next? Yeah, it's, it's an adventure. Well, thank you again. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions, email me, take and read podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, Please like it, subscribe, follow, comment, review, uh, so that it's not just my mom and my wife that are following (laughs) this podcast. I'd love to have this be available and just help more people find it, uh, because I think uh, people are going to benefit when they take and read the Bible. Have a great, great day, and uh, yeah, let's continue this adventure next time. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. All right, bye.